Hello, I'm Eamon. I'm Conrad. And we are Mega City, City Film, Film Club. Club. And we're back with more Film Club activity, Conrad. Uh, you're in Los Angeles, obviously, now. It's slightly right. disappointing weather at the moment, I gather. Oh, you know, we, we, we had a hurricane two weeks ago just to date this, uh, this, vod- this podcast. And now it's just regular rain, which is much less exciting, but still very gloomy, you know. Right. You've got the British weather, but we don't get the hurricane part. Um, uh, you know. We've been to, or at least we've seen, two more uh, comic book movies. Uh, these are two DC movies we're going to be talking about. The DC Extended Universe, not the Cinematic Universe, they called on it, I think. Um, and I will say we're going to have spoiler warnings, particularly for The Flash, which I think has been out long enough now. We'll try and be a little bit more circumspect about Blue Beetle, mm-hmm. um, and of course we've missed out as ever on our trip to the uh, to get um, a curry after the film as well. Indeed, yes. Sorry, you know these distances. Um, I, I I I have had curries in solidarity um, <laughs> here in in LA to try to um, keep the tradition going at least at least from a distance. You yeah. know, get a curry. And then you know, hold 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 a hold a fork of my vindaloo up, and you know, whatever toast across the sea, you know. <laughs> Excellent stuff. Well, let's get to the first film chronologically. It is The Flash, written by I've got Christina Hodgson, directed by Andy Muschietti, uh, starring Ezra Miller, and starring just about everybody else. I think um, we can say. Yeah. Let's. If we can say, I'll do a quick summary. That um, the Flash learns that he can travel in time, and decides to mess with time. And to paraphrase Tony Stark, time messes back. <laughs> I think that'd probably be about it, wouldn't it? Yeah, I, I'd say so. Yeah, things get wibbly wobbly, and um, you know, have to deal with the consequences. And then because of that, it just brings back. Uh, or it, it uh, introduces us to new DC superheroes and old DC superheroes as well, or DC film superheroes. So let's start with the sort of like the overall positives. What did you make of this film, uh, Conrad? You saw this one uh, in the theatre, I think, didn't you? I did, yes. Um, um, blah, I don't know. Um, <laughs> I it was it was it, I I did like some of the. Um, Things that, or some some of the characters that that were brought back and introduced, you know, I really liked uh, Sasha Kaye or or Cal as a as a Supergirl. I thought she was really good. It was really fun to see Michael Keaton again as uh, as a Bruce Wayne. That was pretty neat. Um, and just some other stuff like I don't know, like I I did like uh, Man of Steel back in the day and stuff. So even like like just a little bit of like Michael Shannon as Zod and stuff was was pretty neat. Um, and then you know I I am a sucker for sort of super speed in films generally. Right. I I like that stuff. I thought the um like it was super silly, but the sort of the first big speed sequence in the film where the flash is saving all these babies that are falling out of the side of a hospital was so ridiculous and over the top that it was, that, that it was fun, you know, especially this moment where you just see 
all the babies falling through the air and they're all like in mid extreme peril. You know, that that's pretty good. Like one's about to get hit by scalpels. One's about to be set on fire, all these different things, you know? Yes. I mean, we, I don't want to get into too much into the physics of the flash and how the speed force works. Uh -uh. (laughs) Don't think about it. (laughs) Um, Ezra Miller, I mean, we're not going to spend any time on the troubled personal life of the star in, in much the same way as we didn't when we talked about um, Jared Leto as Morbius. But Ezra Miller as The Flash, I actually thought they did a pretty good job. I quite enjoyed them. I was surprised how good they were as The Flash. I thought it was okay. It's it's tough for me because um, especially when um, – or it, it, it was a funny thing I just read. I, I, I had forgotten that – their casting was announced at the same time as the premiere of the uh, of the CW show, the the Flash, the uh, the the TV show, and I had been a big fan of that. I I, I liked the uh, the the Arrow show quite a bit, and watched the Flash show with a uh, with with Grant Gustin um, pretty extensively until I started podcasting and stopped being able to watch TV that much because I was too involved with that. But um. It was, and so for me, honestly, this whole flat, like from the minute they announced that my arms were kind of folded a little bit for this movie with Ezra Miller, because I was kind of like, well, we've got a flash. Thank you very much. There's no, there's no reason to recast them. Like just put Grant Gust in the movie. It'd be fine. You know? Um, but I thought, yeah, I thought Ezra Miller was, was pretty good. Um, there, I mean, he. I guess to sort of get get into spoilers, he plays a a double role in this film of both them themselves, like you know, sort of a present, like experienced Flash, and like a a callow youth Flash, <laughs> and learning about their powers and stuff like that. And so, I think you do see some differences between the characters and stuff like that, and. and, and between the characters and how they portray and, and, and interact with things. And I think that that is a, yeah, a pretty decent, a, a, a decent performance. I don't know. I guess the elephant for the room with me is that I didn't like this movie very much. I'm sorry. Okay. <laughs> You've mentioned multiple cameos. Obviously, every, the one everybody knows about, as you said, is Michael Keaton returns as Batman uh, and is great value for money um, through the middle part of the film. Um which of the other cameos of various superheroes and different incarnations of superheroes and did stood out for you in this film? You know, for me, yeah, I, 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 I do like, again, I really like Supergirl in the, in the film. I thought that she had a really good um, in, introduction and just, it was interesting to see a different version of the, um, of this DC films version of, uh, of Superman slash Supergirl, these sort of crypt- Kryptonian powers, you know, they did the thing that I think is one of my favorite Superman moments. I think just generally when um, Superman has had, you know, has had been really beaten up and having a really rough time, you know, usually Kryptonite's involved or something like that. But then they get to a p- place and they just sort of like, you know, stand in the sun and absorb the power. And then like, you know, you guys are screwed. <laughs> like, I, 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 I like that moment. I think it's, you know, it's a big one in like uh, that uh, Dark Knight Returns comic, I think when he gets hit by the nuke and then absorbs yeah. a bunch of uh, like sunflowers or something like that, I think is also a really neat moment. I thought that they did it really well in, um, in, in, in this film. 
how she sort of, you know, gets the sun and then just sort of, you know, beats up 20 dudes <laughs> with superpowers, which is pretty solid. How about yourself? Who did you like, Eamon? Well, um, I mean, obviously the one that's supposed to make us slightly teary is to see Christopher Reeve. Mm-hmm. Uh, Helen Slater's there. There's a little bit of Henry Cavill. We, I think we hear some other classic Batman actors in various... You know, the Batman and the Joker, I think we can hear at various points, I understand. I'm going to ask you about the final cameo in a moment. The, the yeah, sort of like- I guess... Yeah, I guess I really didn't like the. Um, sorry, I hate to be too negative, but I didn't really like that section where they have like the big, the swirling globes and all and all the cameos. I guess because I just, it just felt like it was just sort of there for fun. I guess or like it didn't feel like those actors didn't. They didn't accomplish anything, I guess. I don't know. Like, like, like they're just sort of there to be like, oh, like it's all these guys or something. Like, I don't know. Um, and especially because, like, yeah, it, I, it was weird seeing Christopher Reeves there. It was definitely weird seeing uh, seeing George Reeves there, the guy who was yes. the uh, the black and white TV super Superman. If just because he had a very complicated relationship with the role of Superman, as I recall, like sort of, he was sort of felt like that. He, that role had had defined him as an actor and kept him from, you know, furthering his career and stuff and had a, a very troubled life because of it. And so it sort of felt, I don't know, to me, that one felt kind of uncomfortable to kind of bring back. I also just, the weird thing of that second, like, you know, to bring it back to uh, to the CW Flash too. I was surprised that they didn't bring those guys in for a second. Like, you know, just be like to for naysayers like me to give them the stamp of approval. Like, I think it's a fu- a funny thing that um, all these different you see all these different characters played by different actors, except for the Flash, who's only played by one actor in this film. There's no multiple Flashes, even though there are a couple like film and television Barry Allen's out there like 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 you could do it if you wanted to but they clearly weren't interested in 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 that part of it and I think that makes the movie feel a little confused I guess or sort of I don't know I definitely know in the for me in the commercials for it like it's weird to have a flash movie where so much of the focus is on Batman I guess or so much of the focus you know or or Superman for that matter I, I guess it's a it felt like unfocused or something I don't know well I mean I will say that the film this film is extremely confusing <laughs> uh, for a number of reasons um, just mention quickly Sorry. Nicholas the Nicholas Cage Superman fighting a giant space spider <laughs> for no apparent reason I mean you know <laughs> That's yeah. weird. Well, it was very much like that's a because uh, that's like a uh, a long running like 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 internet joke or rumor, yeah. right? It's uh, uh, Kevin Smith on his podcast because he was sort of brought into like I think write or or, or direct the Nicolas Cage um, su- uh, so Superman, and he said that that was like one of the producers' big like requirements was he's got to fight a mechanical spider, a giant mechanical spider. And then that same producer is also a producer on that movie, A Wild Wild West with Will Smith, right. which also culminates in a fight with a giant mechanical spider, which just seems to be this guy's thing, I guess. He's <laughs> got a thing about spiders. Yeah. Okay. You know, I mean, hey, when you, when you know what you like and you can make it happen, I, why not, you know? So we get this 
as you say, this strange sequence where he's stuck in the middle of the speed force in time. He can see all these multiple different versions of timelines with different characters. I'm guessing that we could, or at least in my head canon, we could now say that the Joel Schumacher, um, Val Kilmer and George Clooney Batman movies are different timelines to the Michael Keaton's, possibly? Yeah. I mean, I I did really... Actually, I... I will say something I, I I I really liked about this movie was just when they explain how how time travel works, I guess, and it's basically just like um, they start off with like two pieces of spaghetti um, like diverging, and then he says no, it's not like that, and he just like slops a bunch of like cooked spaghetti onto a bowl, and then puts tomato sauce on top of that, which I think just sort of had a big like I don't know wibbly wobbly timey wimey like don't worry like like don't think about it too much <laughs> kind of feel to it and like um it reminded me actually of my favorite time travel like, explanation of movie in the movie a uh, looper where at one point bruce willis just says like look we could get out a bunch of straws and talk about this for 30 minutes but just accept that what i'm saying is how it works and, and, and let's just keep going you know um but yeah, so like, you know, you could definitely say that those are all different, um, different timelines, and uh, you know, be, we do see characters with different stuff across the timelines, right? Like we see um, Ezra Miller's friends reshuffle and stuff in the new timeline, so that's how you have like, you know, Chris O'Donnell being Robin in two different films or whatever. You know, those were presumably different timelines. That same guy playing Alfred and all of them. That might be a timeline, a time anchor that's consistent across the realities or something like that. But I don't know. I'm less into that, Eamon. I'm I'm more just that, you know, we – I'm more – my theory is always that we just perceive um, the, the single reality of films through different lenses. And that's why we get new actors but no one notices like, uh, you know – as a like, I'd much rather have that than I don't know. I just don't. I don't want. I don't like there to be too many realities. Honestly, I like you know one. If possible, I'd like there to be you know as at, or I'd like there to be as few as possible. Honestly, except for very specific situations like Spider Verse, say where you know that's like the central thing. But the idea of a of a having a DC, uh, a DC film universe with an Earth two and stuff like that is just sort of it's too much for film. Things are going happening too quickly to have that, too much of that stuff going on. I don't know. We we know that the DC uh, extended universe in cinema is complicated. The Justice League yeah. is complicated. The actors who portray the various roles have got complicated relationships with the roles as to whether they're coming back or not. Mm-hmm. We know we'll get to this in Blue Beetle, but James Gunn is coming in to sort of, you know, sort it all out. In comic book history, of course, DC had the same problem when they did Crisis on Infinite Earths in the mm-hmm. 1980s, when they thought, right, it's too complicated. We'll have this big event. It will simplify everything. Yeah. And I was expecting this film to do that, to sort of simplify everything, to do a bit of a reset. Um, But I found it just made it more complicated. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah. And and I felt like especially, it felt like they were sort of drawing allusions to crisis with, um, 
with sort of how the Flash travels through time, This which, which takes the form of this big, like, sort of tiered arena with the Flash running in the middle, which felt very similar to, I guess, where sort of the ultimate jet like 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 scenes of christ and infinite earth takes place with you know the flash on this big um treadmill with everyone sort of in in big circles standing around him and stuff like that yeah i i was sure that the sort of flashpoint that or that this would be sort of a thing to it it would be the like it, it would be sort of a flashpoint story that would be then like set up a new reality to and that would be sort of where we're going for you know, in the future and sort of, and those like reality globes, which I saw like spoiled before I saw the actual movie stuff, that would be sort of show like, oh yeah, no, reality is collapsing in on itself a little bit. So all these different realities are becoming one or something. But no, instead it's just sort of like, you know, there's just sort of these different realities now. And like the Flash has flipped things around. And again, like the, the, the ultimate thing with the, with the pasta was that when you mess with time, it doesn't change one thing. It reshuffles everything. And so, you know, anything is sort of possible basically when you mess with time even a little bit. And that just means like, well, okay, but like, you know, the idea of these, the idea of a cinematic universe, I guess, is that you watch one film and it's part of a larger edifice and they all build together and stuff like that. And the thing that and, and the problem I've had with so many of D, of these DC films is that it feels like, and this is what what I thought what, what James Gunn was supposed to fix. I feel like was that there wasn't a real central force behind them. It's like like one like I feel like you need to have one one kind of editor in chief type character who's sort of guiding the course of all of them, so that they have similar themes. That the history stays, you know, that that the that the lore is sort of consistent and stuff like that. I mean, again, while I'm not a huge fan of being really anal about lore or being really sorry, being really like like specific and ticky tacky about lore, you know, on the other hand, when you're setting yourselves up to make that be a big part of the of the, of the film of the series, then I'm I'm going to take you at your word and assume that you're taking it seriously. You know, like I'm happy to ha- just have a bunch of things, but if you want to have them all linked together, then you know, I I'm going to start looking for stuff because you're setting me up to look for it. Basically, when there's inconsistencies, it's like, you know, it means that you aren't doing that you aren't putting it together right. Basically. So I'm going to ask you about the, the last complication before we move on. Um, and spoilers again, we are going to now spoil the cameo that occurs at the very yeah. end of The Flash. So if you don't want to uh, listen, jump forward about five minutes. Um, <laughs> the Flash tries to put everything back. He still messes slightly with time for a specific purpose. He starts the film with... Ben Affleck is Batfleck. He's Batman, <clears throat> Bruce Wayne in his world. In the middle portion of the film, obviously, he creates a timeline where we get Michael Keaton as Batman. Great. Right. At the end of the film, because he's changed something, there's this sequence in the sort of town hall set, the city square, where he gets a phone call from Bruce Willis. Sorry. Bruce Wayne. He gets, sorry. He gets, a, phone call, <laughs> he gets a phone call from Bruce Wayne, a very smart f- sports car, zooms up and I thought here was the perfect opportunity 
even though he's only year two Batman in The Batman. But this was the perfect opportunity to bring in the R-Pats bats mm. that we saw in The Batman. Yeah. But instead, of course, it's very cool. A very cool guy gets out of the car. It's no longer Ben Affleck. It's now the even... I'm going to say George Clooney is older than Ben Affleck. Oh, yeah. I think so. Um, oh, no, no. He definitely is, yeah. Yeah. So now we've got an even older Batman in the Flash timeline. Um, what did you make of that? How, you know, <laughs> I was like, well, you know, so <laughs> I guess I thought they had plans, but I, I guess we're doing something else now, you know? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, he's 10 years older than or, – or Clooney's 10 years older than Ben Affleck. But it's very like, yeah, like is this is the – so this is the reality now? Like what's going on? I um, I will say I I did like also that um, his um, – earlier in the film, his, uh, his he, he knocked his tooth out and secured it back in with super glue. And then his tooth fell out. But it was the, it, it was the – it was a different tooth that, that fell out. It was like – one on the right side and one on the left side or something like that. So sort of like, ah, oh, yes. Like even when you think, even when you think you've gotten around time travel by, so because they tr- basically, he tries to, he tries to get around the time travel problems by fixing it Avengers style, basically mm. where you have the effects of your time travel take place in your, in, in your, in the future that you perceive basically. So like, you know, like how in the, how in, um, in in the Avengers films where they fix the everyone dying from the Infinity Gauntlet by having them only come back five years afterwards, they they do the time traveling. Um, the Flash has to say, you know, tr- un- changes his past that happens like you know in, in the future, but even that messes things up and sort of saying like, no, we're doing our own thing, Marvel. We aren't biting you, I guess. But it. It just yeah, like you said, it just further complicates things, and it's sort of like, and just generally made it feel like we're just going for cameos and jokes here, as opposed to trying to fix again the real problems that are in the reality of these films. You know, like I don't know, <laughs> like it just it felt like they had opportunities to do things and didn't take them, and it's 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 a little frustrating, I guess. Okay, well, again, in my personal headcanon in the future, the butterfly effect will be known as the uh, moving a tin of tomatoes effect. Absolutely, yeah, totally realistic, you know. And then, but then, like, you know, because, like, there's just, yeah, there's too many. Now there's, like, four DC movie, active movie, DC movie timelines, I guess. Like, yes. if is Flash on its own one, is, is, is that a different one than what say blue beetles on is and then where does the batman fit in where does joker fit in as well like is i guess you could have joke like uh you know because joker is sort of a period piece so it could be leading up to to pattinson um um uh, uh, Batman or something like that, but then like, but it doesn't. I don't think that. And I, I don't think Pattinson leads to to Ben Affleck or George Clooney now. I guess or something like that. It could it could be anything, and it's it's frustrating. I guess. All right, like like I would just like it to be. I would like to know. I guess. <laughs> All right. Well, let's move on to perhaps safer ground and start go to a film which sort of 
maybe starts a new a new phase for DC at the cinema. Uh, Blue Beetle, which we've both seen within the last week or so at the theatre, uh, mm-hmm. written by Gareth Dunnett Alcacer and directed by Angel Manuel Soto. Uh, Zolo Maraduena plays Jaime Reyes with Bruna Marquezine as his sort of um, female lead. Uh, Ted Cord's daughter she's playing, I think, isn't she? Mm-hmm. Um, all right, so let's start with... I'm going to guess, Conrad, that you had a better time at the cinema with this one. Oh, yeah, I love this movie, actually. I thought it was really great. <laughs> um, so, in summary, Jaime Reyes discovers the scarab, which turns him, transforms him into the Blue Beetle, and he and his family are caught up in a whole series of events. And uh, while he's struggling to learn to master this new battle suit that he suddenly acquired. So, good points, the positives. What did you like about it then, Conrad? Oh, man. Um, I mean... Honestly, after, especially after the, the complicatedness of The Flash, I love that this was just sort of a pretty simple, like, kid gets powers, hijinks ensue kind of kind of film. Like, it's not, it's not complicated. It's very simple, you know, just sort of, like, ridiculous CGI action stuff. Um, and But I think beyond that, also, I really thought this movie had a heart that um, – I really enjoyed um, the relationship of um, of Jaime to the rest of his family and how his family sort of tags along on the adventure and stuff was really fun. I would say that honestly, you you, you mentioned the leads, but I feel like this movie is really almost like the backbone of this movie is a uh, George Lopez as um, as Jaime's uncle who I thought was who sort of provides like sort of commentary on everything for the whole film I thought was hilarious and really like was a big addition to the movie you know I also just like yeah you know the I'm always a sucker for uh father-son stuff and I really liked um uh the Blue Beetle's relationship with his dad and stuff, I thought was really great as well. Like that was a fun, or that that, that was it. That was an, an emotional part of the movie for it. I, I called my dad afterwards and everything, you know. So, all right. <laughs> and the family, the Reyes family, are fantastic, and they are, as you say, the heart of this movie. And there's some very powerful stuff that goes on between them. His uncle is um, one of our favorite things, Conrad. He's somewhat of a conspiracy theorist, and so oh, absolutely. He gets- he gets to he gets to utter the line um, about Batman. He says Batman is a fascist, um, which I think, if I remember rightly, is pretty much the only reference to any other characters. I think. Yeah, I mean, you know, also I guess um, just from his clothes and stuff, you know that uh, Jaime went to he went to college at uh, Gotham University. Gotham and stuff. Law, yes, yeah. Well, but um, yeah. What I will say that was my frust that that was my frustrating thing was just there was no like um, you know, not even in the background in the news do they show like um, you know. I just want to know who bad. I, I just want to know who Bruce Wayne is in this in this movie in, in this world now. You know, like like let me see it. You know, like and they could have had they they could have had you know they had all these uh. You know, Su- Susan Sarandon is the evil CEO um, supervillain in in this film, and they they have a bunch of her do of her PR videos and stuff like that being slightly sinister. Could have had her shaking hands with Bruce Wayne easily, 
easily could have had that just to show that she's rich, you know, but no, no, we're not doing that. All right. Let's screw you, Conrad. You aren't learning what the reality is. You got to wait for, wait for Aquaman. Maybe, maybe Aquaman. <laughs> we'll find out. <laughs> What about, because, I mean, you know, we quite liked how the Speed Force was depicted in The Flash. What about the Super Suit Blue Beetle tech, uh, the, 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 the Blue Beetle suit, uh, the sort of internal stuff with the sort of now slightly familiar helmet and head-up display? Um, hmm. What did you make of all that in this film? I mean, I thought it was fun. Just be, you know, it's got a lot. I'm a, I'm a sucker for that sort of, or I, I really like that sort of, uh, I guess, Wallace and Gromit wrong, wrong trousers style, like, you know, someone who, who, who's in a super suit that doesn't really know how things work and yes. is, and sort of, you know, just spends a lot of time being catapulted across the map, um, while screaming, basically. I'm, I'm okay with that generally, you know. I think Tom Holland did that a little bit, and uh, like in general, like uh, that's a fun moment. I, just to sort of show the different powers of, you know, let's see the powers of the suit because you can't control it. And I think that's an interest, you know, it's an interesting, um, like always, always a fun sequence. I think um, I kind of, you know, a big part of the movie is is his relationship with the suit, which sort of has this like, you know, computer voice and stuff. And I think his sort of conversations with, with, um, I forget what the name of the, of the, of the, uh, of, of, of the scarab it's, or, um, in, inside there is, but like, um, is it? yeah, that's right. That, um, you know their relationship as the movie pro- progresses. I think is, is is interesting as well, and just sort of provides a, a a a different. I think it's different to sort of have it be, you know, it's it's a differentiation from say Iron Man, I guess, where you know Jar- where the voice in his suit Jarvis is, you know, his uh, AI assistant versus sort of this otherworldly force that you have to kind of talk, you know, that he sort of has like, especially initially more of a uh, John Connor and Terminator two type feel to it. You know, like stridently telling it not to kill people and things like that is sort of an interesting thing. And I noted that, uh, I think when Tom, when Tom Holland, Spider-Man had the, the, you know, the Stark tech, spidey suit there was a training mode but he Mm. peter parker ignored it here in the blue beetle suit there doesn't appear to be a training mode um Mm -hmm. you're pretty much straight into it and also of course critically with these powered battle suits it will reboot at one point in the film at a rather sort of inopportune moment yeah no it's gotta listen so because it turns on and off it's got to turn off at, at, at key moments that's that's how you do it you know i will say something i thought was really interesting like maybe because of that and who sort of the final fight ends with like i thought this movie really felt very similar actually to uh to the first um iron man movie i guess just because it is about sort of a, a super suit origin story and it does sort of end with a fight and the sort of the final fight is with an evil version of that suit being backed by you know a greedy um into a greedy capitalist or whatever. Yeah, yeah. yeah, sort of. So there, there definitely were some 
some some el- like some rhyming elements between this movie and, and that first Iron Man one as well, I'd say. Um, we've mentioned the family. You've mentioned George Lopez's Uncle Rudy. Any other sort of standouts in the family and the supporting cast? Yeah, I would say also um, uh, his his, uh, his uh, grandma Nana's pretty excellent. Yes. yes. Like uh, just as the you know who sort of always takes the takes a moment to be like really hilarious in in, in different situations. Like um, she, uh, you know, it at at first seeming like almost like like oblivious to the superhero shenanigans happening around her. You know, she's like upstairs sewing or something while he has his like initial superhero transformation in front of everyone and stuff. But then when it's on the line, you know, we learn of her mysterious revolutionary past. <laughs> you know, she's sort of the one that's got the got the big machine guns saving people's butts <laughs> by, by blowing away bad guys and stuff like that. I thought she was a really fun character. And, you know, I mean, kind of like, oh, yeah, you know, like uh, she's going to, you know, there to be silly and, and, and comic relief. But I thought she did a good job of it as well. It was, it was, it was a very fun character. Adriana Barazza playing Nana Reyes, who in uh, one of those casting notes that I'm always spotting, she's only about, I think she's only about seven years older than the actress playing uh, Jaime's mother. But anyway, (laughs) she's playing, she's dressed and playing old as Nana. Yeah. And um, of course, although it takes a while for Jaime Reyes to master the super suit, when the bug ship appears with all its tech and weaponry, the Reyes family, you know, they master that extremely quickly. Particularly as you say, Nana with her, um, that's not a gun. This is a gun. <laughs> yeah, she pulls like a big, like, uh, yeah, like, 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 like minigun, like Jesse Ventura has in Predator yeah. <laughs> on the wall. <laughs> yeah, um, I would. Uh, a really, for me, a really funny thing about my my, my particular viewing of, of Blue Beetle is that. Um, my brother had to get up. I watched with with him, and he had to get up and go to the bathroom right when they had the like. Basically, they got to the to the Blue Beetle Mansion or whatever, and had this explanation that I guess in the eighties, in the past, there yeah. was a you know there was the this previous Ted Cord Blue Beetle, which I think is the Blue Beetle that I sort of know from DC comics. I, I've read would m- more where he's sort of he's a regular guy hanging out with Booster Gold or something yeah. like that. That sort of era of Blue Beetle. But my 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 brother missed all that. So when they suddenly pull out a, a Beetle spaceship, he was like, "Where is this coming from? <laughs> like, why why do they have this?" Suddenly? <laughs> I mean, I've said that it doesn't really reference any other DC characters. Of course, it does. It does in a way because, as you say, at the blue, at the Ted Cord Mansion, the abandoned mansion, you see the suits of the two previous incarnations of Blue Beetle, Ted Cord, and I think it's Dan Garrett is the sort of Golden Age one, mm. um, and you see them rather sort of clunky old suits. And then, of course, there's the bug ship from Ted Cord. Right, Which, um, you know they fly it, it into was, battle. You're right. It, it was when we saw that that I remembered that Blue Beetle was the character that um, Alan Moore based like like Owl Man off of, I guess yeah. in a, yeah. in a Watchmen, sort of like how the questions based on or Rorschach's based on the question, I guess. But that because it was funny, I thought just how much that Blue Beetle looks like the Owl Ship in the Zack Snyder movie and stuff. And, but yeah, it is funny that they just sort of have that. Yeah, we just have this like. 
super-powered spaceship flying, you know, hanging out in the in in the basement. I guess still works. And yeah, like you said, I guess you know, I mean, George Lopez just sort of present himself as this sort of a uh, you know mad scientist, able to just do technology generally, but. Everyone does seem to be able to help out flying it pretty easily when you think it would actually you you think it would be complicated more complicated than it was. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, Susan Sarandon plays the villain, uh, the sort of as you say, the greedy capitalist billionaire who's trying to make this line of military battle suits and needs the scarab to do so and. I love Susan Sarandon. I think she's fantastic. But I did think she was rather... She didn't get the best lines. She's a bit Republic Mm. serial villain for me in this one. Yeah, she's a sort of like... I mean... (laughs) Honestly, I felt like yeah, they didn't they, they they didn't do enough with her. I think she just sort of stands around a little bit. She does a lot of the like um, ominous, like I guess like some of that kind of Hans Gruber, like sort of you know telling minions to do things. I guess the main one like the uh, 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 Carapax, the uh, the big like the the heavy in the film and stuff. You know. <sighs> It's such an it's such a dumb thing, but I I would have put her in a suit by the end, you know. Yeah. Like I think it's it's silly that, or it just it seems like a waste opportunity for her for for, for her not to be and have a have a speech about you know <clears throat> like now you know do something right you got to do it yourself and you know now I've got the real power or something like that you know especially especially because. Like, listen, sorry, fantasy booking here, but like so much of the so much of the set design of the film was cord having this like this very like a purple neon purple aesthetic and everything that I felt was like was weird for a corp for, for, for a corporation, I guess. But like, you know, if the if, um you know, but I, I could see an end to the film where like carapax turns on her or something so she puts on the power suit now she's one but she's like you know got purple as opposed to the blue and the red from beetle and carapax and sort of you know the two of them have to team up to take her on or something Uh, that felt like that feels like it almost be a more satisfying or a different kind of end than the one they have now where it's sort of it feels a little bit a little damp and feels like they just aren't kind of getting their money out their money's worth from Susan Sarandon almost like because she's evil but she's not quite not quite evil enough not as evil as you'd like her to be I feel like I feel like I want Susan Sarandon to be way evil in the in in, in, if she's going to be in this kind of movie you know like like why not you know It's interesting you mentioned Carapax, who starts out as very much like the Bond villain henchman, but has a story arc and some backstory that we learn, uh, much more so than Susan Sarandon's character. Indeed, yeah. She's just sort of like, yeah, angry because she got got passed over um, for a promotion from from her brother, but like, you know, got got to CEO in the end. I don't know. Maybe through underhanded thingamajigs, like, which, you know, I don't know. A a very succession um, sort of superhero origin story, you know. Okay, so there's the suit stuff. There's the leads who I think are charming. There's the family who are just wonderful. 
And actually, whenever the family are on screen, that's all the really good stuff, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, now, obviously, James Gunn has now moved over after Guardians 3 that we loved. He's moved over now to DC. We've got the Gunniverse come in. I hear rumours, I think we've all heard the rumours, that Blue Beetle is sort of central to his plans. Is that right? Is that what you've heard? I, I don't know. I, I, I haven't been following it as close as I have, but as, uh, as I could be, because I'm just sort of like, all right, like, um, I want to see it on the screen, you know? Yeah. <laughs> like, I, like, at, um, especially after Flash didn't sort of fix things up or didn't sort of specifically fix things up. Now I'm just sort of like, all right, like, I'm just, like, they are. I feel like they like maybe Gunn will take it more seriously. I'm I'm waiting for it to be taken more seriously because this has my the same problem or a similar problem I had. This film had a similar problem I had with with Black Adam, I guess, where I don't know the history. They haven't told me about or they've told me conflicting things about the history of the of the DC world of the of the DC mm-hmm. films world. You know, is it like in Batman versus Superman where superpowered individuals are very rare? And so Bruce Wayne has this file of super of super beings and they're hidden in the shadows, you know, like maybe, you know, there's a grainy photo of Wonder Woman from World War One. And uh, like cyborgs in the shadows, and oh, this kid Barry Allen just got hit by lightning. Like, and that these could all be things that I've been inspired to look at since Superman showed up on the scene. Or has there been forty years of, super, of fully powered super beings walking around? Is there a Justice Society of America with a Blackbird jet doing super things? You know, was the Fonz a giant guy in the seventies? Is Ted Cor- <laughs> you know? Is it like George Lopez? Is it sort of a traditional DC comic setting where every town has a superhero and like that's just sort of, you know, and it's like having a baseball team basically. And, you know, you sort of like, you know, you, you know, you move to a new town and you're like, oh, yeah, you know, Batman's great. But like Blue Beetle had a heart because I'm from I'm from Los Palmeras, you know, like and sort of, you know, maybe he's scrappy or something. But like. You know, but that's not what it's because 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 I'm I love that I love having a, a a world of like these different cities that all have their own look and like um all have their own superhero you know like we got you know you've got like sort of dark gothic Gotham or you know Palmeiras which is sort of you know a, a, a neon bright Miami or something like that but that's not what it's like in the other DC. <laughs> You know, and similar like and I don't know, know if that's supported by, again, like having Gotham and Metropolis be across the bay from each other, for instance. I feel like they need to be more spread out like Chicago and New York would be in like in, you know, the actual reality. And, uh, like it just it, it again, it just it feels inconsistent with what happens in the other movies and especially when like you know george lopez talks about oh yeah it's like it's like the different city like like superman and metropolis like superman's only been there for like five years man like that's not like it's not a long-term thing in your in the reality that we've seen you have you know (laughs) like it just um yeah again it's just this um like it, it, it it's me being a problem for expecting too much i guess or something like that um and 
I really just want to go with it, but they sort of, they have these ideas. And so I'm really, I would really like their, it, like just the things don't square with each other. And maybe that's me being like holding on too much to like, like the first, the earlier movies that I've seen when I shouldn't be, but it just, it feels inconsistent and not like an expert. Like I would like Batman to explain why those guys were special when there were existing superheroes in the world, I guess. I don't know. Okay. It's Sorry. complicated. No, it's all yeah. right. It's complicated. I mean, both these films are a bit complicated for us. The flash had a chance to make everything simpler, but actually made it more complicated and remains a big head scratcher. Blue beetle is probably, if you can just switch off all that other stuff and enjoy yeah. The story and the wonderful family stuff. Um, that's the pick of the two films, I think, isn't it, Conrad? Oh, absolutely. Like, uh, if you, you know, I was, I, I felt pretty able to not really worry about the the larger universe um, while watching Blue Beetle, and I had a great time. I really liked it, um, and I feel like because that larger universe stuff is so in your face in the flash i guess it made me think about it a lot more and so it it suffered because of it and just i don't know like it, it just yeah the, and i guess the problem is like the cgi and some other things like that like i don't know it, the, the the flash was okay but i i didn't like it very much i must say like it just it 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 hit me wrong i guess when i watched it unfortunately Okay, well there we are. Sorry, Two how, recent... Yeah, sorry. Do you agree, Emin? What do you think? How, what's yeah. your what, What's your take on these films? Well, I think the Flash is really, really interesting, but I think it's mostly interesting as a sort of failed uh, opportunity to simplify things and try and pull some of this nonsense together. I'm, you know, like everybody else, I enjoyed seeing Michael Keaton put the bat suit back on. That was great. Um, but no, the Blue Beetle film is the better one. It's more fun. It is uh, got a wonderful heart to it. Uh, its heart is in, in the right place in many ways. <laughs> so yeah, the Blue Beetle is the better of the two. Yeah. Okay, cool. I just wanted to double check, figure it out. These rankings when yeah. we get to the get to the end and got to do our uh, 2023 year you feel uh, uh, a year in review or something like that. <laughs> So we were trying to work out release schedules coming up. Um, we think it is going to be Marvel's next, um, is the next movie that we'll be going to see. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I believe that, yeah, in October. And then I believe then like in Christmas, I believe it'll be Aquaman 2, as I recall. Aquaman 2. Now, how are they going to do, what are they are going to do with that? Okay, so that's <laughs> probably our next cinematic movies that we'll be covering or at least our trips to the cinema that we'll be covering on the film club hopefully yeah i mean things are like as you know as we're recording this the uh the act the writers and actors strikes continue and things do do keep moving i mean when i saw um even even relatively close to the time i mean when i saw uh, Blue Beetle. It had it had a trailer for uh, uh, Dune Two with its old release date, and since been moved out. You know, so anything's possible at this point. Yeah, this is true. Let's hope they resolve that strike, and uh, yeah, give the writers and actors what they deserve. Absolutely. Um, and that we can at some point go and see some more movies and talk about them on this podcast. <laughs> we, I should say that we now have got. Two more double bills of listener suggestion films for us to watch. 
and 2000 AD related films. So we've got a couple more guest suggested episodes to do at some point in the next few months and we will try and get around to uh, all recording those and put those out as bonuses as usual. Absolutely. So exciting times. Oh, definitely. I can't wait. I think it'll be a lot of fun. Just the, the, the movies on the slate, I think, will be fun. And it's always fun to talk about, you know, talk about these films with you, Eamon, and then get weird about sort of how they relate to this 2000 AD world we all love so well. Absolutely. So the Mega City Film Club will return um, hopefully within the next month with um, some surprise suggestions from a listener. Absolutely. Great stuff. Until then, I'm at megacitybookclub.com and Conrad. Space Spinner 2000. We're powering through. 1995 is in our sights. And so you, we can see the first Dread movie released in real time. <laughs> Great stuff. Well, until next time on the Mega City Film Club, I've been Eamon. Conrad. And we have been Mega City Film, Film Club. Club.